0: Welcome to this podcast from Penrith Church of Christ. If there is anything in this message that you would like to talk about further, please go to our website, www.cofcpenrith.org. That's www.cofcpenrith.org. Guys, as we share together in a few minutes with uh, things that I've prepared for us to talk about, uh, I just want to lead us in some prayer and We'll move on. Father, I pray that as we explore the truth of your word, that our hearts, Lord, might be open to learn new things. Lord, let it be you who influences people, not my words. And as we share together, we pray a blessing upon everybody who's listening no matter where they are or their circumstances. So thank you. Thank you, Lord. Amen. <clears throat> Guys, last week, if you were tuned in to us, you would have uh, heard Adam as he led us through a, a whole series of thoughts and scriptures regarding the Easter, the, the, the Resurrection Sunday. Uh, and we learnt and extracted from that some great thoughts. Let's, let's have a look at those. We know... Uh, that death has been defeated. History tells us that. And the fact that other people saw Jesus in his resurrected form is a great example of that. We, Adam shared with us, uh, Given, we've been given authority because of the truth, because of the reality of Jesus' resurrection. What we say today as a church has validity and has value. We've been given meaning to the things we've just shared a few minutes ago, the communion, the fact that when Jesus did die and he rose again, it was about freedom for you and me. It was about releasing us for the same power that we're going to be looking at in our verses in a few moments. We know that this power that's been given to us by the example of the disciples, is because of the resurrection. We know that it helps us find life's meaning, even in amongst tragedies that we might experience. So we, we, we went through all of these as Adam shared with us and where I want to go with us today is, I guess, the recognition that in human terms the tragedies that those guys experienced would have been devastating, catastrophic. Here they were, sharing with Jesus and in this environment where they had great hope of a Messiah who was going to take them to new heights and and new places, he was taken from them. Not only just taken from them, but was murdered. We hear, we read that in the time before Jesus was taken, before he was crucified, he was in the garden praying, the Gethsemane garden, and the, the soldiers came. They arrested him. And in the disciples who were there with him, confusion, what's going on here? Not knowing the full picture of what Jesus was planning and what a God, a loving God, had planned for you and for me. And it got to the stage when Jesus was arrested. And we read in Matthew chapter 26, it says, This has all taken place that the writing of the prophets might be fulfilled. This is a plan, everybody. It's not an accident. It's not something that's a figment of somebody's imagination. This is a plan. This is all taken place that the writings of the prophet may be fulfilled. And look at these words. Then all the disciples deserted him and fled. (laughs) Wow. Now I can understand that and perhaps uh, as we just explore what these guys did, they, they fled because they were fear, fearful. They didn't know what was happening. They were scared. They had no one to lean on. Hey, this Jesus who we've been following for the last couple of years, he's just been arrested. What's going to happen to him now? These guys, these These people aren't going to let him off easily. What are we going to do? We're left here. And so... In their terror they fled, in the fear they fled, what's going to become of us now? And whatever the outcome was, they were caught up in this spiritual crisis, they were afraid, they didn't know. And so their doubts and their fears was a spiritual crisis that they couldn't really handle and The question was, how are we going to get over this? How are we going to recover? Now they could have just said, oh well, what's gone on has gone on. We'll just go home, carry on doing our usual thing. We'll go back to fishing. They could have done that. This is too hard for us. It'll pass, given time, everything will settle back to normal. They could have done that. But what they really did... It was what they'd been told to do. They'd been told to go and wait. They'd been told to go and, and wait for something that was really promised. And they were obedient to that. They went and they waited because that's what Jesus had told them to do. And perhaps as they waited in their fear, because while they waited, they still were saying to them, well, what's going to happen here? What do we do? Perhaps I remembered some of these words and we can remember them now. We can reflect on them now. It's out of the book of Jeremiah. It says, for I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord. Plans to protect and prosper, not to harm. Plans to give you hope. If I was with the disciples with the, the in those upper room waiting, I would have grabbed hold of those particular words and I would have pinned them to the wall and I would have said, guys, look at the promise here. God has a plan. This is not something that's just there. This is a plan. And the plan is to prosper us and, and not to harm us, but to give us hope. They would have concentrated on other words that we read out of Isaiah that says, but now, this is what the Lord says, he who created you, he who formed you, do not fear. The creator says to us, as he would have said to them, do not fear. For I have redeemed you. I've brought you back. I've called you by name. What great words that the disciples would have been encouraged by as they waited for this, what's coming next? When you pass through the waters, Isaiah continues to say, I will be with you. They are not alone. When you pass through the rivers, they will not sweep over you, wow, you will walk through the fire. you will not be burned. The flames will not set you ablaze. Now these are great words, and I'm only imagining you know what I would have looked for if I was with the disciples at the time. you know, I would have been just as scared, and I guess through life, everybody, you and I go through these times when Things just don't add up. Things just don't fall into place. And we wonder what the crisis might, what we've done to cause this crisis that befalls us today. And it gives us doubt about tomorrow. Takes away our hope. There's no way out of this crisis. And I'm sure many of us have been in those places over the years. It gives us fear and confusion. Darkness without direction and I, I'm here guys speaking from one who's been through it none of us have not been through it. we've all been through our crisis and looking back looking back we can ask ourselves and we wish our faith had been stronger is that how sometimes you've been? we wish our faith had been stronger and as with the disciples however we however weak their faith or our faith might have been, uh, the conviction remains that God is still God. The truth that we've just read about, plans to prosper you, plans to give you a new hope, not to harm you, walking through the fire, through the flame, will not be burned. Those would be the hopes that the disciples would have hung on to. And behind all of this, guys, there is a behind this background, this plan, there is a gracious, loving God who just wants the best for us, who has our best interests at heart, who wants to give us hope and freedom. And the plan won't stop. Just because the crisis hits. The disciples didn't know, hey, is this the end of this time with Jesus? But there was an ongoing plan, Interesting enough, that you and I experience even now as we're sharing together. God's plan for them is God's plans for us. For the disciples and for us today, the plan is in place. Now, as I said, they could have demonstrated an unbelieving spirit, but because of the relationship with Jesus, they knew that somewhere down the track something special was going to happen, I guess. They they knew they had a new citizenship. They knew that their lives had been changed because of this Jesus. He had spoken to them before about the kingdom of coming, that he's promised them a kingdom. Because of their commitment to him, they'd been given a new passport, a new address, a new place to live. They may have well remembered the words that we read in John 14 that says, my father's house has many rooms. If that weren't so, would I have told you that I'm going there? And I'm going to prepare a place for you. And if I go, says Jesus to them, and prepare a place for you, then you will come. Wow. I will come back and take you with me, that you also may be there. Somewhere amongst the crisis, they saw hope. They saw something that wasn't an end. And my declaration, my request, suggestion to us today is that we ought to do, follow the example of those disciples, trust him. For those who live in fear, those whose life at stage has crumpled and doesn't know where to go, the answer is God cares trust him for he will plan your future now they were certainly sometimes displayed some characteristic flaws their old culture kept in but that doesn't mean to say they were beyond help or they belonged to their old culture and those of us who have this new faith in Jesus even in 2020 those of us who trust God for tomorrow, who have given their heart to Jesus and say, your death and your resurrection was for me. We have a new destination, God, We have a new address. And it may be that sometimes we've lost our way, but our address is still the same. Let me say that again. It may be that in life's journey, we've lost our way. But our address hasn't changed. Our address is still with God because of Jesus' death, resurrection, and my acknowledge and my as my Saviour. So in amongst all of this, what, what can you and I glean? What can we take out of this from this passage of scriptures that we're looking at today? And as I'm going to look more at the book of Acts and see where this takes us. Now, there's a verse in the book of Timothy that I love, okay? And it says this. It says, all scripture is God-breathed and is useful. Now, there's a good thing. It's useful. It's useful for teaching. It's useful for rebuking, for correction. It's useful for training in righteousness so that the servant of God may be thoroughly equipped in every good work. So what I want to do today as we move on here is, okay. recognise where the disciples were, recognise the dilemmas that they faced, which we face too, but let's look at what history Scripture has shown us and see if we can be taught. Maybe at times, if necessary, rebuked. Certainly corrected and trained, practicing righteousness that you and I might be equipped. That's what training does. That's what correction does. It makes us better for tomorrow as we embrace a new thing. And that's what I want to do with us today. History is a doing thing. History is not just words written on a page. History has shown us, guys, that we do one thing. It works, we keep doing it. It's a doing thing. If it doesn't work, we do something different. And so as we look at this scripture, as we look at what the disciples went through, and we see that in in historical terms, as far as giving people hope, then it works. Let's have a look at this verses in Acts chapter 1. And can I encourage you? In your homes, even after today, have a, have a read through the whole book of the, of the Acts of the Apostles. Because there yeah, you will see the stepping stones upon which God has built his church. You will see evidence. You'll see teaching. You may even see correction. But let's read it together. It says Acts chapter 1, verse 1. In my former book, and this Acts was written by the, by Luke, who was one of the apostles, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. Luke. Okay. So he's referring here to his previous book. In my former book, Theopolis, I wrote about all that Jesus began to do and to teach until the day he was taken up from heaven after giving instructions through the Holy Spirit to the apostles he had chosen. The instructions wait. And after he had suffering, he presented himself to these and gave many convincing proofs that he was alive. Many convincing proofs that he was alive. He appeared to them over a period of 40 days and spoke about the kingdom of God. Not in the tomb, not in the grave. He appeared to them and spoke with them. There's the proof and the evidence. On one occasion, while he was eating, he gave these commands. Do not leave Jerusalem, but wait for the gift my Father promises, which you have heard me speak about. For John baptized with water, but in a few days you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit. And they gathered around him, and they asked him, and they said, Lord, are you at this time going to restore the kingdom to Israel, the promises that have been made throughout the Old Testament times, the prophets? Are you going to take us with you, God? Are we going to go with you now? Wow, that's, a, that's an obvious question. And he said to them, it is not for you to know the time, All the dates the Father has set by his own authority. But you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you and you will be my witnesses. So they're not going to go. Jesus is saying, sorry guys, you're going to stay here. I don't want you to go back to doing fishing again. I want you to stay here and I want you to be my witnesses. Testify. Testify about my resurrection. You will be witnesses in Jerusalem and all Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. There's a, there's a prophecy for us people. I'm saying to the disciples, Jesus said, hey, you're here, you're in Jerusalem, you're going to be witnesses to me here. But to us, here in our 2020 environment, he's saying, you will be witnesses all over the world. That's you and me. After he said this, he was taken up before their very eyes and a cloud hid him from their sight. They were looking intensely up into the sky as he was going when suddenly two men dressed in white stood beside them. We're talking about angels here, people. These men said, men of Galilee, they said, why do you stand here looking into the sky? This same Jesus who has been taken from you into heaven, will come back in the same way that you have seen him go. Wow. And so we have the commencement of a stack of events, people, that changed the world. Commencing, of course, with the crucifixion and with the resurrection. If the resurrection hadn't happened, you and I probably wouldn't be here today. If the resurrection hadn't happened. The power that we're going to be looking at with the the actions of the disciples, how they were obedient to the call. And so we read again back in that Acts chapter 1 verse 4, just repeating that says, On one occasion while he was eating with them, he gave them this command, Do not leave Jerusalem, but wait for the gift my father's promised which you have heard me speak of, the gift. Go and wait, he says, for this promise. Stay faithful to the cause. I know it's difficult, guys. I know what you think, and I'm not going to be with you, but stay faithful to the cause because you're going to receive a promise that my Father has promised you. I want to take us just a little bit further forward, guys, as I just put a little key verse in here. And it's a verse out of Philippians chapter 1. And it says, uh, uh, Paul wrote these words, and it says, Being confident of this, that he who began the work in you will carry it on unto completion until the day of Christ. So here we are. In 2020, sitting in our homes, in our landrooms, wherever we might be in this world, and we hear, I'm sharing with you, that God has said, if he started to work in you, his job will be to finish it. Your job, my job, is to take that first step of obedience like the disciples did. Not run away, not hide. But when he said, wait... They waited. So, what are you and I going to do? How are we going to fit this in for ourselves, the results of their obedience? Well, let's have a look at the results of their obedience. Okay? And we read here in in Acts chapter 1 8, okay? The disciples, everybody had gathered together. There was a crowd there. Uh, We call it Pentecost today, it had other names. It was a feast of harvest. They came together once a year to celebrate. The harvest, the feast of the harvest, it was Pentecost. And on that day, listen to what happened. Okay, here's the promise, but you will receive power. You will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and all Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. So power to do what? Surely, we need to know what we're going to do with this particular power. Well, the words of Jesus was, hey, you're going to be witnesses. You're going to share the resurrection. You're going to tell them what it did and what it allows them to do. And you're certainly going to tell the truth. That's what a witness does. A witness either does it through words <laughs> And, yeah, let's have a look at that. Most of us probably would have heard, you know, the the term about Peter, the denier, where just before Jesus was uh, taken or as he was taken, uh, before he was crucified, uh, people asked Peter, aren't you a friend of this man? And Peter said, no, I don't know him. Uh, Somebody else said, hey, didn't I see you with Jesus? No, it wasn't me. Three times. Peter, in his fear and his anxiety, wanted to disassociate himself with the Master. He betrayed, he denied Jesus. But after this Pentecost thing, where they waited in an upper room and these tongues of fire appeared on their heads and they started to speak in tongues in such a way that all of the other people who were there gathered there for this feast of harvest they all heard them speak in their own language you can read this yourselves in Acts chapter 1 okay? and, and people were saying these guys are crazy how is it that we hear them speak in our own language but that was the power that God gave and so as we look at say Peter and his role in this power that had been given to him, this promise, you shall receive power when the Holy Spirit is come on you. That's with the, the tongues of fire that came. And they gave these disciples gifts to build the church up. This is what Peter said to the people when they questioned him. And remember, this is in the context of Peter the denier, who was the denier but is now a tool of power. He says, fellow Israelites, listen to this. Jesus of Nazareth was a man accredited by God to you by miracles, miracles that Jesus did, raising Lazarus from the dead, giving sight to the blind man, (laughs) by miracles. Wonders and signs which God did among you through him. As you yourselves know, they witnessed that. Indisputable, they saw that. This man, Jesus, was handed over to you by God's deliverance and deliberate plan and foreknowledge. This plan that I talked about a little while ago and and with the help of wicked men and here's this key thing for me and amongst these guys with this this peter who was a wimp and who denied him now speaks boldly and he said it's by your hand that you have killed him it's you who have put him to the death but god raised him raised him from the dead freeing him from the agony of death because it was impossible for death to keep its hold on him. It was impossible. And Peter said that. And another time in Acts chapter 2, he says the same thing again. He said, therefore, let all Israel be assured of this. God has made this Jesus, whom you crucified, both Lord and Messiah. That's not the words of a wimp. That's not the words of someone who wants to run and hide away because they're fearful, standing in front of all the people who crucified or who wanted to crucify Jesus and who were participants in one way or other. And he said to them, you guys did this? Wow, the boldness that came into his life because of this power. And so after his dialogue, after he sent to them, when the people hearing this, they were cut to their hearts and they said to him, what must we do? And it's really interesting that Peter's response to them was the same as it can be to us today. He said to them, repent and be baptised, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of sins and you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. New power. New power revealed by the word of Peter. And the promise there is important, but it wasn't only just by words. Because if we would continue to read across in Acts chapter three, Peter and John were walking into the temple, uh, into the into the city, and at the gate of the city there was this man who'd been uh, lame for many, many years. Okay, and he he asked them for, hey, give me money, give me coins, give me alms that I might live. And Peter's response to him this. Peter who had this new power and new authority and he said to them, silver and gold, I don't have any mate but what I've got, I'll give to you. And he stretched out his hand and he said, in the name of Jesus, rise up and walk. Wow. Now just picture that. So many years begging, not being able to walk, just being left there. And this guy comes up to you and he says, in the name of Jesus, rise up and walk. And the great story is, and we could go into that a fair bit, but the great thing about it is that's what he did. And he went walking and leaping and praising God. This power that had been promised to Peter, promised to the disciples, was not only evident in the boldness of their word, but in the evidence of their action. And he jumped to his feet and began to walk. So, where do you and I go from here? The recognition that those disciples had no training, they didn't have a college degree, no church building, no no Facebook or YouTubes, where we can do the things that we're doing now. How did this message going to happen? Because of the resurrection, resurrection power, they had new hope. They didn't know all the facts. They didn't know what the future held, but they had walked and talked with Jesus, who had risen from the dead. And not knowing what the future held, not knowing where it was going, They know who held the future, and they had new hope. And it's interesting that we read in the Scripture, in the book of Acts, that observers who watched all this happen recognized, hey, these are just ordinary men. Ordinary men doing extraordinary things. This is the start of the church people. This is where 2,000 years of hope had begun. Ordinary men doing extraordinary things. So for me, my friends, I think OK, in the history of, you know, that verse I shared with you before, about in Timothy, about uh, scriptures given for correction, for reproof, instruction and in righteousness that I might be the man of God who was equipped to do what God wants me to do and so that you might be equipped to do what you want to do, I asked myself, what, what did these guys do? Well, the first thing I saw them do was that they surrendered themselves. Like I said, they could have run away. They could have hidden. They could have gone back to their fishing. All of this will pass. But they didn't do that. They surrendered their fear. They surrendered their concern, their anxiousness. And they did what the Holy Spirit told them to do. That was their evidence of their trust and their promise. Now, a loving Heavenly Father who has your best interest and mine at heart will patiently wait for you and me to say the same, to be obedient, to to do the surrendering. And I'm encouraging us, guys, as I'm encouraging myself right now, give my choices, give my preferences to the God who loves me, who has demonstrated over the years, Purse Mallard, you're not on your own. I know you've stumbled, I know you may have lost your way, but your address has always been in the same place. We can do that. We can do that and i can do it myself because i know that the jesus who cares for me has a plan for me in the book of john in chapter one, uh, 16 sorry we read these words uh, the words of jesus and i certainly take heart in these and words and you can too he says i have told you these things so that in me Jesus, you may have peace. So he's offering us peace. In this world, you will have trouble. There's truth. Look at our world today, guys. The very circumstances we find ourselves in. Every time I turn on the radio, every time I turn on the telly, someone's always doing something bad to somebody else. In this world, we'll have trouble. But Jesus says, but take heart. I have overcome the world. And his resurrection is proof and evidence of that. I might not understand, but will I trust him is the question. And there's some great verses in the Old Testament, Proverbs, one that many of us will know. Trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not on your own understanding. It's not what you think. It's not how it's going to pan out, what you want. Or you think it ought, it's going to pan out. But trust me, lean not on your own understanding in all your ways. Submit, surrender to Him, and He will make your path straight. There is a marvelous truth. Marvellous declaration. Peter's declaration of the Acts uh, had two promises when he says, repent and be baptised, every one of you, for the forgiveness of sin and you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. That's a great promise. That allows me, as it will allow you, to embrace the truth of the words of Jesus. In this world there's trouble, but take heart, I've overcome the world. But to do that I've got to trust him. Not my will, but his. Not what I want, but what he wants. I have difficulty with that sometimes, but I know deep down that that's the way I should go. And those two conditions that Peter spoke about in Acts 2 38 and 39, and and you and I have to answer the question today about those. When Peter says, repent and be baptized, every one of you, for the forgiveness of sins, that's condition one. What do I need to receive this gift of the Holy Spirit? I need to receive the fact, or recognize the fact that my natural nature doesn't do the things that God wants me to do. We as a society don't do the things that support society and build each other up. We rob from each other. We steal from each other. We kill each other. We hate each other. We fight wars and battles. It's all about self. But God says to us, hey, it's not about you. Do what Jesus did. It's about surrender. You know, he was God's son, and yet he gave himself as a man and became obedient unto death. Wow. So the condition, one, is that I must repent, turn away from the things that I know aren't of God. And the second thing I need to do is be baptized into him, and recognize that I'm going to be buried myself. And and the promise, uh, the gift is to both of us people. It's a gift to the disciples, and it's a gift to you and me today here and wherever we are. The promise is to you. The promise is to your children. The promise is to all who are far off. The promise is to whoever the Lord our God will call. And I trust today that in many different levels, for some of us who've been Christian for a long time, recognizing the call of God doesn't stop, it's still there. There is still, you know, this Christian life is, is not just a pathway, not just a destination, it's a pathway. And I walk on that, and sometimes I step off the pathway, but like I said before, my address hasn't changed. I am still a citizen, a child of the Heavenly Father, as you can be. So surrender requires obedience. Surrender requires repentance. I'm sorry for what I've done. I won't do it again, the teaching of Scripture. second thing that needs to happen other than surrender, of course, is a sacrifice. And in this sacrifice, we give ourselves to Jesus. Let's take a measuring stick upon our life and how we've lived our life. If, if history today through the book of Acts and through me talking with you has revealed to us how the church has grown, how the church has become what it has, we haven't always done it right, guys. But the church is made up of frail human men and women. We will make our mistakes. But God's not the God who raises the mistakes as we bring our repentance, I'm sorry, to him. He's the God who buries the mistakes. Okay? And as far as the east is from the west, So far has he removed the transgressions that I commit as I give my heart to Jesus, as I surrender my heart to Jesus because he died for my sin. He died to make sure that my address is secure as I accept him as my Lord and my Saviour. What will your history write? What will the pages that are in history write about you? Will it write that you were a child of God? You know, we uh, this uh, same source of power that was there then is there today. And and as we do this, uh, the recognition, there's a statement of beliefs. I believe, personally, I believe this. I believe that God is God, my heavenly Father. I believe that Jesus Christ died upon the cross. And he died for me, that I might walk with him, that my sins might be forgiven, that my destination is just a destination, my address is secure. There is a heaven and there is a hell. And my Bible tells me that it is appointed for man once to die and after that a judgment. So there will be a judgment of the things that's gone on in our lives, in my life. But guys, let me assure you that there's only one real question that I'm going to have to answer in amongst all this. And the question could be something like this. What have you done with my son, Jesus? Because on that hinges the heaven or hell. And Jesus, according to Scripture, will be the judge. He will decide. And so, my allegiance to Him, as I am going to encourage you, that comes, uh, there's many verses, but I've chosen just one out of John 1, chapter 17, and it's chapter 12, sorry, it says this Yet to all who did receive Him, to those who believe in His name, He gave the right to become children of God. He gave the right to pick up a new address, a new citizenship, a new passport. I'm wondering whether you're going, would you be prepared to do that today? Would you be prepared inside yourself, wherever you are, to say, yes, I I hear the words of those songs, I believe in God the Father, I believe in God the Son, I believe in the Holy Spirit, I believe in the resurrection. Would you accept that today for you? Or is it just for the rest of the world? Let's hone in on you. If you will do that, if you will do that, then the question that is asked, what will you do with my son, your answer would be, I've accepted him as my Lord. I've accepted him as the person who can save me in this world where we will have trouble, but he said to me, be of good cheer, I have overcome the world. So think through that, my friends. Consider... The facts that we've shared about this morning, can consider the fact of Jesus, his resurrection, the miracles, the healing, the raising of the lame man, the giving sight to the blind. He said, I am come to heal the broken hearted. I'm come to set the captive free. I'm came to make the lame man walk. I've come to make the blind man see. In many ways, people, while we might not have the physical disability of blindness, while we might not have the physical disability of not being able to walk, we may be lame. In this world without Jesus, all of those things don't mean anything. It's only with him that my sight really is there. It's only in him that my lameness in, in this world doesn't happen. And so my question to you today, would you please give consideration to Jesus, give consideration to him being your Lord and your Saviour, to him being the source of your life. If anything, we've said today... Has struck a chord in you, yeah, hop on our website. Let's see what Jesus is doing. We will answer the question what it really means to become a Christian. And so we bless you now and thank you for your attendance with us today. We ask that today might be rich for you. Thank you for listening to this podcast from Penrith Church of Christ. If there was anything in this message that you would like to talk further about, please go to our website on www.cofcpenrith.org. www.cofcpenrith.org.